Welcome into another episode of Mic'd Up with Mellow and Big Country, brought to you by Mid-America RV. Why work from home when your office could be in Yellowstone? Mid-America RV is their gateway to adventure with their diverse selection of travel trailers, fifth wheels, teardrops, and toy haulers. They have the right size RV for any vehicle, all covered by their exclusive RV warranty forever. Game days, remote work getaways, and family vacations are all better in an RV from Mid-America RV. Experience travel like you never have before. Find out more at MidAmericaRV.com. Absolutely. Next up is going to be Downtown Lou. Make sure you visit them right here in the heart of Joppa, Missouri. They are located on 1st and Main Street, and they specialize in tires and lube, but they are much more than that. So be sure to visit their website at downtownlube.com for the full list of services. Not a matter of if, a matter of when you're going to need that oil change in those tire service. So again, get that taken care of right here in Joplin on 1st and Main at Downtown Lube. No more um, hiding the nifts. That, that was uh, another big one. I think you're just either going back all in, to, baby. I was gonna say you're either back to doing it on purpose, or you just don't care anymore, and it's it's just flying out. That's why it's actually happening. If I'm being completely honest, that was a genuine niff. I had no idea I did it. <laughs> That's back before I was even made aware to me. Yep, uh, and we are back for another episode. We appreciate you guys. Uh, joining us, it's Thursday night for us, maybe Friday, Friday the 13th for some of you guys. Uh, we're going to get into a little bit of the Friday the 13th stuff because I know Big Country loves talking about spooky stuff. <laughs> it's it's what I like to do in my spare time. <laughs> you know, I like to uh, I like to wait until you, I know you're home alone and then bring it out and, and talk about all the spooky stuff. I, I hope that you're, you're sending up an extra pair for today's episode. I wasn't prepared, to be honest with you. I didn't even think about Friday the 13th. Completely overlooked it. I've had so many other positive things going on in my life, aside from the Texas loss. That is the one negative. But other than that, life has been pretty flipping good for me. And then here you know, we go. Friday that the Texas loss, uh, we have not had a podcast since. That's the toughest I've taken a loss since the 2010 National Championship game. So... I didn't take – I took the Kansas loss much tougher than I did the, the OU loss, and especially with KU just because, like, it was so embarrassing. It was just like Texas mm-hmm. has reached this point of we're losing to Kansas in football at home at a night game. It's like, yeah. that's, that's bad. Like, just three for three of, like, ick. Mm-hmm. But this one, I just – I came away just thinking, like, you know, that was just a good football game. Like, that has everything you want. As a spectator watching this sport, the big moment, everyone's eyes are on it. Everyone's paying attention to every play. Big players made big plays, and it just came down to Oklahoma made one more play than Texas did. Like yeah, that's genuinely but... how I viewed the game. It was like Texas hit a game-winning field goal. They're up. Oklahoma just kept making plays and you know putting themselves back in the game. And when it came down to the last opportunity to score, they, they made it happen. And so it's like, okay, hey, this stinks as a Texas fan. Good for Oklahoma. But it's like – we're most likely going to run into them again. You know, I say we, like mm-hmm. we don't play for the university, of course, but Texas is most likely going to run into them again in the Big 12 Conference Championship game. Um, and it's going to be the last one that they're both in. So that's going to be an even bigger game, and there's probably going to be playoff implications uh, with that as well because the Pac-12 is going to cannibalize this weekend. Like, it's just going to happen. So one of these schools is going to have an opportunity to make mm-hmm. it into the playoffs, and hopefully it's our Texas Longhorns. Yeah, Washington and Oregon this weekend will be a very good one in the Pac-12. And the Pac-12 has been great so far. We've been talking about it all year, like how surprising it is to still see these schools 
up there and playing as well as they are. Uh, but one of them has to lose on Saturday when Washington and Oregon play each other at 2.30 Central Time. Uh, and then you, you still you have some schools like USC. You have the Utah has one loss. Oregon State has one loss. A lot of good football over there still left for the Pac-12. Yeah. But the top dogs facing each other this weekend will be uh, a fun matchup to watch. We are going to take a, like a deep dive into the NFL this weekend. We're a little bit over a fourth of the way done uh, with the season. So we're going to look at some of our biggest surprises, who's in first place, who's in last place of their division, and then talk about some teams that are maybe dead, some teams that are still alive, and other teams too. Uh, we've got some thriving teams and what I'm calling our sick teams, teams that are alive but they're trending in the wrong direction. They look like they are a little bit weak right now, and then maybe end the show with some Friday the 13th stuff, as long as Big Country is all right with that. Yeah, well, you know, I'll try to make it through. This will be my flu game. I couldn't tell guys. if you were really on board. In a while. I, I, I couldn't tell if you were really enough, on board you know. with that yeah, or if you were yeah. scared. Mm. Both. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I'm here, but I'm not uh, happy about it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with uh, the teams in the NFL that are in first place of their division. Uh, in the AFC, we have the Dolphins, the Steelers, the Jaguars, and the Chiefs, which uh, I think a lot of those aren't super surprising. But when I look at the first place in the NFL, a big surprise for me is the Miami Dolphins. Uh, our guy, Tyler Warden, got to throw him out every time we talk about the Dolphins. I'm, I'm surprised that they're in first place and that they've looked as dominant as they have. And because when we were talking about uh, preseason stuff, all of us, myself included, we were talking about the Jets. We were talking about the Bills. And right now it's the Dolphins that look the best within that division. And I know things have changed to where now you have uh, Aaron Rodgers hurt and the Jets just are not the same that we thought they would be. But I'm still going to put the Dolphins up there just because they have looked so good so far in the AFC East, which is maybe the best division in football, it, it's up there. You've got two teams that could be Super Bowl contenders. Yep. And right now the Dolphins are looking um, the best of all of them, I think. And, you know, another division that's probably might arguably one of the best in football is going to be the AFC North, and that's my surprising team that's in first, is the Pittsburgh Steelers because they have not looked good. Like, they have not looked like they've played a complete game of football, but they're still finding ways to win, and that's just the most Mike Tomlin thing ever like it, it just it is and you know you see what happened last year but you come into this season you're looking at the Cleveland Browns the Cincinnati Bengals we know who they are the Baltimore Ravens you know they added some weapons on offense the receiver led you know eight drops last week I think that's what they had it might have been seven seven eight still just way too many um for the Ravens but still the Steelers finding ways to win football game and against the division rivals as well as well excuse me last week being the Ravens I don't necessarily see this continuing to happen or this being the, the rest of the, the way for the Steelers this season. We'll get into that later. But right now, like I am stunned that the Steelers are sitting in first place. And then when we head to the NFC, uh, my biggest surprise is going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know I have another team written down in here, but this team I lied about. Uh, it's going to be the Bucks for me just because I thought the Saints would be um, – playing at a much higher level than they have been. And again, we'll get into that later in the show. But for Baker Mayfield to come in and continue to make plays and get the ball to the right guys and just letting them do what they do best and make plays, like, good for them. And Baker's not taking the spotlight. He's not, you know, brought any negative attention to the locker room yet. You know, I shouldn't even say negative, but any attention with Baker somehow turns into negative because he just can't be quiet about it. He's got to have something to say about everything, and that's just how he's been. So, We'll see if the Bucks can stay up here, but for right now, the Bucks being in first place in that division is surprising to me. 
I I think they can. Now, when you look at the Bucks and you look at that division, a, a lot of people were on board with the Saints and the Falcons, but it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now that sit at three and one. That's uh, that's a great start to the season. And my thing with Baker Mayfield has always been put a chip on his shoulder, and yeah. bringing him in for a year or two, I think is great. I wouldn't give him another contract, uh, not a big one. He, he might get one of those like Geno Smith type contracts where you can play him for a little bit. Uh, but they also they don't have any like really big notable wins on that that do uh, that schedule right now. Yeah. yeah, they beat the Vikings, they beat the Bears, they beat the Saints, and they got handled pretty easily by the Eagles. But everybody has. But it that is a little bit surprising too because I was on board. I thought the Saints with Derek Carr would come in and be a little bit more impressive. And maybe by the end of the year, they will be back in first place of this division. Maybe we'll see Baker Mayfield fall back off. Uh, I still just don't like him because of the Texas OU thing. And I know he's off social media now, so I think that's helped his uh, kind of reputation a little bit. But I, I, I'm still not a huge fan of his. But he is playing well. And, and putting that chip on his shoulder and letting him come out here and win this job, I think it's been very good for Tampa Bay. My biggest surpriser of the first-place teams in the NFC is going to be the Detroit Lions. And it's not so much that I'm surprised that they are in first place. I'm surprised with how dominant they've looked so far. Uh, you've got teams like the Vikings that look like trash. The, the Packers are just not right there with them. And the Detroit Lions have that week one win over the Kansas City Chiefs still. Like, mm-hmm. if you would have told me that the Lions were going to be 4-1 and one to start the season, I, I would have congratulated them on a hot start. I, but I would not have picked them to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, especially in week one, and they did. And that was just such a big win for this team to get some momentum rolling. And then when you look at the schedule and what they have left, it's not real tough. Like Detroit is going to win double-digit games this year. You could probably go bet on that somewhere, and I would because I think that they've looked so good so far, and they're doing it in a way that's not like a gimmick. Like, hey, is this going to last? Are teams going to get film on them? They're running the ball and playing great defense. And Jared Goff has had a resurgence in Detroit where this dude looks absolutely amazing so far. So my biggest surprise is the Lions. And and not just that they're winning the division, because that's not surprising to me. It's the fact that they look like they're one of the better teams in the NFC right now. Yeah, and I mean, in in every aspect of the game, too. They're just making plays all around. And if you're a Lions fan, you absolutely... Just love to see it, and I hope the success continues. And like you mentioned with their upcoming schedule, it's most likely going to. So, Lions fans, talk that talk, boys and girls. Let it happen. Let people hear about it. It's your time to to shine and make the most of it. That's for sure. Uh, now, the teams that are the worst in their division at the moment is currently sitting in last place. That is the biggest surprise. Uh, for me, starting in the AFC, it's going to be the Tennessee Titans. Uh, I definitely thought it was going to be a lock for either the Colts or the Texans, um, but it's been the Titans. I don't know necessarily if they're going to be there the whole year, but at the same time, looking at this team, things are looking different. You know, defensively, they stopped the run. That's good. Struggling to stop the pass, though. Offensively, Derrick Henry's been your powerhouse. You're starting to see him kind of split carries with the backup running back there, and it's looking a little different. And then Ryan Tannehill. I don't know if it's just old age. I don't know if it's confidence, lack of other weapons, the fact that A.J. Brown's just literally not there anymore, and DeAndre Hopkins is just a possession type of receiver. But I feel like Ryan Tannehill has just kind of regressed, and we're not seeing him make those magic plays that we got used to in Tennessee where they're staying in ball games and he just makes one or two plays down the stretch that inevitably helps them win the ball game. We're not seeing that right now. So for them to be sitting in last 
what, five weeks into the season, it is pretty surprising to me because I thought they would be much better at every level. Yeah, and I'm right there with you with the Titans as well, uh, mainly because I wasn't impressed with the Titans, but because I thought this was this division was bad and that they would be able to be right up there. And I think that they are a team that still, when it shakes out at the end, they can be near the top or will be at the top. But my biggest surprise so far is the Cincinnati Bengals. And I'm and my biggest surprise of the entire season is the Cincinnati Bengals. And I know a lot of people are coming out and saying, like, the injury to Joe Burrow has really been affecting this whole team. But we talked about it last week. It's affecting the locker room mm-hmm. as well. And to see them sitting there in last place, I put them in a tier with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills as one of the, like, elite teams in the National Football League. And now they're sitting here with two, sorry, three losses already and sitting in last place of their own division. They are fighting for playoff contention yeah. right now. And this is a team that, like I said, I thought would be fighting for a Super Bowl win or the AFC Championship, which is probably needs its own trophy and, and belt this season anyway because the AFC is so good. But you have some ugly losses for the Bengals so far. Week one against Cleveland where near offense couldn't move the ball at all, and maybe Burrow was hurt, but still it's a loss. And then again to the Titans, you lose 27-3 to where your offense just can't score points. It's looked really bad for Cincinnati, and even their wins. Like beating the Rams is okay; you can be happy about that one. Beating the Cardinals is just something you should do in the NFL, unless I mean you are one of the bottom feeder teams, uh, like the Bears this year. Everyone should probably beat the Cardinals, and that's one win that the Bengals have. So right now, I'm just super surprised that they've looked so awful. Not just like their record; two and three is not a bad record, but they have looked absolutely awful at times this year when I thought they would be one of the better teams in the NFL. Yeah. And, you know, heading into the NFC side of things for me with the giants, I just, I knew they weren't going to be fantastic. And that division's tough when you got the Eagles, you know, defending conference champion and then the Cowboys who are always so close, but just can't seem to find a way to get out of their own way or shoot themselves in the foot. So I was sitting here looking, I was like, well, the giants will be better than the commanders for sure. Like they just have nothing to really go for da 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 da. But you look at the giants and, they just they can't stay healthy. They can't get out of their own way. The same thing I just said about the Cowboys. You look at the Giants, Saquon Barkley, dealing with injuries, kind of nagging at him. Daniel Jones can't stay up in the pocket. You know what I mean? He has zero time to throw, can't make the right decision, either when it is available. Now he's injured. You're looking at the offensive line for the Giants. They're getting banged up, and the defense is doing their part. But it's like we never looked at this defense coming into the year thinking they're going to be top-notch anyways. But the Giants, like, it's just, it's gotten bad, and it got bad very quickly this season, and there's plenty of time to turn it around, but it's not like you're going to turn it around and then take over the division. That's clearly just not going to happen. But, you know, we talked about it last week with Brian Dable and Daniel Jones of, like, what that relationship's going to be like going forward and who's pretty much going to be able to stay and who has to go. I kind of feel bad for Daniel Jones in the sense of it, but right now it's like he also can't stay healthy because he can't be protected. You're looking at the Giants. I just I didn't think it was going to be this bad with how well or with how promising the end of last year looked for them. And for me, it's the Vikings. Again, I thought that this was a team after Aaron Rodgers left that they might be able to take over the reign of the NFC North. And now they're sitting here at the bottom. When you have a good veteran quarterback in Kirk Cousins, uh, you've got guys like Justin Jefferson who are, are playmakers. You add a receiver through the draft. You've got guys on defense that have been very solid for your team. This felt like the year that maybe they would be up there and contending to win the NFC North, and they're not. 
they're actually further behind than they've been in recent history. I mean, they're right there with the Bears at a one and four record. And they just they can't get out of their own way. I, they're in ball games, but they can't win. And sometimes you talk about young teams needing to learn how to win, but this isn't a young team. Like you're losing to Tampa Bay in week one, 20 to 17. That should have been a win. You're playing right there with the Eagles in week two. You lose 34 to 28. You lose to the Chargers, 28 to 24. All these games are super close. You beat the, the Panthers, which you should. They're probably one of the worst teams in the league. And then you're right there with the Chiefs. Like they're right there, but they just can't get over that hump. And now you have Justin Jefferson who's been down. Uh, it's just, it's a very big surprise for me to see the Vikings when I thought that they would probably be a top two team in the North and probably a wild card team this year. And now they're another one of those teams. I don't even know if we can say they're fighting for the playoffs anymore. Um, but it's been very surprising for me to see uh, just how bad they've looked really all season. And I kind of hope they trade Kirk Cousins. Like if you're putting Justin Jefferson on the, the IR, we get it. But right now, like as the Vikings, this season does seem like a wash. It just it went. I mentioned it with the Giants. I didn't think it was going to be this bad this fast to start the year, especially with the Vikings. If you find a way to trade away Kirk Cousins, you don't got to worry about the contract. You can go into next year being like, all right, hey, like yeah, we're just going to stink, but we have elite level talent at wide receiver with Jefferson and Jordan Addison and T.J. Hawkinson at tight end. Let's go get a quarterback next year. And there's plenty of options. Like, this is the the year that you would do that, and you could get a top-level draft pick for Kirk Cousins as well because he does play well and he does make a difference, and he's not going to be the reason you essentially lose ball games. But, you know, it's just kind of part of it as well. So that's just it. But now heading into the second part of this with what teams look dead or alive. Um, and the team starting out for me that looks dead starting in the NFC, it's the Panthers. Or hot garbage. Adam Thielen's having a good year, but it's because he's really that's just that's all they got. But I didn't I didn't like the Panthers offseason. I didn't like Bryce Young being drafted number one. I was very vocal about that. I even said I think he's gonna be a bust. It you know, you hate to say it within five weeks because I'm not gonna be like, Oh, so you told you so. Like a lot of ball there's a lot of ball left to be played. A lot of development need to be made from him as well, heading into a career in the NFL. But the Panthers is just yeah, it's not good. <laughs> like this is a team that I thought was heading in the right direction two or three years ago, and it just mm-hmm. the moment you think they're yeah. heading in the right direction, it falls back apart. Same, I, I did too. I I thought that even like them getting Bryce Young, I was kind of on board. Like, go get your quarterback, but you gave up so many picks, and you didn't really surround him with any talent. Now yeah. you've got to go get the quarterback, especially if you think he's going to be good. But usually, you've got some pieces in place. And the Panthers really don't. Even defensively, you, you've got some guys like, like Brian Burns, who's pretty good, but that's about it. Uh, and they've really they've missed on a lot of those other draft picks. Usually, when a team is on the way down, they'll grab some young pieces here and there. <laughs> yeah. And the Panthers really haven't seemed to do that. And they took a whole draft class and invested it on the defense, and their defense still is not great. And, and then with the playmakers that they have, like you traded away Christian McCaffrey, you probably needed to do that. You have no real running game. The offensive line still has holes on it. Yeah, you've traded away your good receivers. I I don't even I can't think of who they even have at tight end right now. But it does. It looks really bad for the Panthers, and for at least this season, they are dead. They are going to have one of the worst records in football. And that the sad thing about it is their pick is going to the Chicago Bears because they traded up to get Bryce Young. 
So the Panthers fans don't even have that to look forward to. Like uh, like I've said many times, I've got some buddies that are Browns or sorry Bears fans. They are so excited about next season already because they might have the first two picks in the draft because they own one of the Panthers picks. And for me, one of the the, the team that I think looks dead, and just awful this season, is the Giants. Now, watching them play this year, that was another one of those teams where okay maybe they'll take that next step forward. I didn't like Daniel Jones. I didn't really like giving him that big contract. And it's probably too early to say I told you so on it. But that one looks bad. And Brian Dable, I really liked him. We talked about him last week too. Uh, Kafka, the offensive coordinator. It looked like that might have been the best coaching staff in the NFL. Yeah. Now it's looking like they're not on the hot seat because they did so well last year. But they might have to make some changes in the the coaching staff. And I don't mean... The head coach. You're going to give Dayball his chance to build this thing. But eventually, if you're not scoring points, if you can't keep pe- people healthy, you're going to have to make some changes in the coaching staff. And they have looked just awful. It, uh, it was your take last week of like Saquon Barkley cannot be that important, that losing one running back should not change the whole trajectory of this team and this franchise. But that seems to be the case for the Giants. I mean, they look absolutely awful. I think they look like one of the worst teams in the league, and that's yeah. why I have them as my team in the NFC uh, that is just dead right now. They they don't look like they're coming back. They look like they're probably going to lose their locker room. There's just nothing really that they have going for them, and their division's pretty tough. I mean, the Eagles are looking dominant, and yeah. the Cowboys are still pretty good. The Commanders have been better than I thought they were going to be so far this season. So for me, the, the Giants are the team that is just dead in the NFC. Uh, and now let's head to the AFC. For me, it's just the Broncos. And Sean Payton had a lot to say coming at the start of the season. That you know, Nathaniel Hackett, what he did was just worst coaching he's ever seen. Like, brother, it's time to take a step back and maybe just take a step forward and look in the mirror and make eye contact with yourself because you are doing bad. And, you yeah. know, maybe I shouldn't overstep myself because the Chiefs do play the Broncos tonight and everyone's made a huge deal about what was around the last time the Broncos beat the Chiefs and – I'll be completely honest. There's a small part of me that's worried that the Broncos find a way to just be like, eh, middle finger, Chiefs, like, we, we figured it out this week. We're going to win. And we're sitting here looking at them like, okay, of course it's against the Chiefs. And, of course, we talked all this smack, and this is what happens. But at the same time, forget all that. You know what I mean? Like, I could tell myself to shut up. Like, <laughs> ignore my, my gut feeling. They've done it before. It's not worked out for me. But I have. And I think the Broncos are dead. Like This defense is historically one of the worst defenses in NFL history. And it's not been good. It's not getting any better. Justin Simmons, I believe, is playing tonight, but he's been questionable the last couple weeks. But like looking at this defense, there's been nothing to be excited about going forward and offensively. Like Russell Wilson's just kind of going rogue at times and trying to make his own decisions and plays. And Sean Payton's in here looking at him like, dude, like, why? Like, why are you being this difficult when I'm literally trying to give you the answers? Like, I'm trying to give you success, and you're just like, nah, man, I got it. Well, hey, Mr. Unlimited, you're, you're limited right now, and it's not looking good, and I think the Broncos are going to stay at the bottom. And you want to talk about a change at quarterback? I think it's going to be the Broncos next year. I think there's going to be a lot of turnover there. And I'm not maybe not necessarily the coaching staff or Sean Payton, but – the Broncos are tired of being bad. You know, this is a team that won a Super Bowl in, what, 2014, 2015. Went to multiple Super Bowls with Peyton Manning, and ever since then, they've been literally hot garbage. Mm-hmm. They're, I mean, they're still yeah. there, but something's got to change for the Broncos going forward. Yeah, and I'm right there with you, too, because 
because of the Sean Payton stuff. I, I again, hand up. I was wrong on that one because I thought Sean Payton could probably turn this whole franchise around. And I didn't like it when he started making comments about Nathaniel Hackett. For one, that's just that that's the fraternity of coaches that you don't do that. You don't go yeah. and you uh, kind of talk shit on another guy and another coach. But he did. And I, I think that he kind of put himself in a bad spot, too, because he pretty much came out and said, like, this team should have won games last year. We've got a good enough roster to win games. And now you're not. Like, now your team actually <laughs> looks maybe worse. After your head coach came out and said, that was maybe the worst performance I've ever seen. Well, guess what, Sean Payton? Now your team looks even worse. So this has to be the worst uh, coaching performance that you've ever seen. And it just it doesn't look great for the Broncos. And they're another one of those teams that they're kind of aging, too. You've got a veteran quarterback. You've got some draft picks that have been solid but haven't lived up to the hype. And now they're going to come due on some contracts. So what do the Broncos do? Do they keep Sean Payton around? Do they blow this thing up and get rid of Russell Wilson too? Like he's he's getting old. He's expensive. I don't know how much longer that's going to last. I think you're right. At the end of the season, there's going to be a, a lot of turnover there, and it might be at the quarterback position too with Russell Wilson, where the franchise says, "All right, we're tied to Sean Payton. We think Sean Payton can lead this thing and turn it around." But Russell Wilson, you are not the guy, and you are out. And I don't know what happens with Russell Wilson. I don't. Just hypothetically, if he loses this job, if he if he's out in Denver, is he even a starting quarterback in the league next year? Like he probably Giants, is. Maybe. Like yeah, maybe you'll get a team like that that, like that Dennis, still needs one of those veterans. But then it goes. Where does Daniel Jones go? Maybe they just trade him. Like hey, like fresh start for both these guys. It is what it is. Who would you rather have? Well, I'm I'm thinking of that in terms, you know, you kind of dive a little deeper. Like Sean Payton just wants a quarterback that's going to listen to him and do things the right way, get the ball out of his hand, make a read, you know, can possibly extend the play because we saw that with Taysom Hill. He kind of was a fan of it. Daniel Jones, I'm not saying perfect. I'm not saying he's like, going to go there and be fantastic, but he might be able to be a bridge piece for the Broncos going forward where it's like he's more athletic than Russell Wilson. Is he going to listen to Sean Payton? It's going to be a fresh start for him. And Russell Wilson clearly wants the spotlight. Like He, he wasn't getting it in Seattle. Denver was going to be the fresh start for him. It's gone so bad. It's just embarrassing at this point. He's going to need to rebrand himself at some point because everybody, maybe to me, it feels like it's obvious he wants to be in media once he's out of football because just kind of the way he operates and handles himself. You go to New York, you're going to find those opportunities. You're going to be at the spotlight. You're going to be advertised and marketed. And you talk about a rebranding opportunity. If you can go to the Giants with Brian Dable and, you know, make the right reads and make the right plays on what he's wanting and he's not getting it from Daniel Jones, maybe that's it. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he goes there and just stinks it up even more and then he's done. But a lot of that was maybe his wife, Sierra, too, <laughs> just getting to be back in New York and, and living it up there instead of going from yeah. Seattle to Colorado. That was one of those teams that he listed on his, mm-hmm. like, I can get traded to, uh, was New York. And, uh, maybe it would have worked out. I don't know. Russell Wilson's a tough read because he's still, like, Box score scouting, he's still playing pretty well. But yes. his team's never really in it. And he's putting up touchdowns. He's putting up yards. Some of that's in garbage time. The Broncos are a tough read. And now they, tonight, if you're listening live, uh, they get the Chiefs in about two hours. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. I, I, I'll say that we used to do a blind review thing on other podcasts that was on. I think the Chiefs win this one huge. I, I don't think that it's close. Uh, I'm going to say 42-17. Chiefs win this one very easily. 
I was going to say 38-13, and I think the defense continues to play lights out. You know, it's going to be another week where they kept a team under 20 points. They scored a couple touchdowns. Chris Jones is just tearing it up, getting some sacks. George Karloftis coming in with some hamstring injuries, not going to matter. That guy's been having an incredible season. We got to see it again uh, last night, or tonight, I should say, as he's just firing off the ball and getting after Russell Wilson because Russell Wilson can't evade sacks like he used to. And George Karloftis has been so close week in and week out. It's just Chris Jones gets there just a little bit before him, or Mike Dana the same way, or a linebacker in Leo Chanel. I think the Chiefs defense comes out big, continues to make plays in this offense. I, I really want them firing on all cylinders. I need Justin Ross making plays. I need or Rasheed Rice, just or Justin Watson again. Just somebody that can make plays and continue to just develop as the season goes on because I'm not seeing it from Sky Moore. I'm not seeing it from Kadarius Tony, and I'm not seeing it from MVS. And to be honest with you, I'm about done with all three of them. And I also want to make it very well known, I was never a fan of the Sky Moore draft pick. I still have the video on my phone of me, my reaction to the draft pick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not looking good. Uh, other teams that are not looking good at the bottom, the New England Patriots. I, have been, I, I see their record. They're 1-4 this year. And I've been kind of holding out hope for Mac Jones, for the Patriots, that maybe it's not as awful as it looked. Because even week one, it's like, okay, you lost to the Eagles. You fought back in that game, and you lost to the Eagles. No loss is a good loss, but that one's not as bad as some of the other ones. If you're going to lose to the Eagles, close. Then next week, they got the Dolphins. The Dolphins, like I said, look great so far this year. That's a, a pretty solid loss, too, if you're going to lose. Then they come in, they beat the Jets, and then they look like absolute dog shit against the Cowboys and lose 38-3. to That was the point two weeks ago where I thought, okay, maybe the Patriots really are bad. Let's see what happens with them against the Saints. If they can come out and put up anything against the Saints, maybe they do still have a shot. And they did not. They looked absolutely terrible. The worst they've looked all year long against probably the worst team they've played all year long in the Saints and lose that one 34 to nothing. I'm to the point where I'm questioning, does Belichick retire? Uh, he, he can probably coach there as long as he wants. Does the front office finally go to him and say, okay, you're done with being the GM? It's not working. Uh, you might have a losing season this year. The quarterback thing didn't work out. Like Mac Jones might not be a starter in the NFL. Belichick might not be a GM. It looks very, very bad in New England right now. The, even like a lot of the popular uh, Patriots fans, or you look at the Patriots fans, they're already talking about what used to be. Mm -hmm. They don't care anymore. And, and hats off to them because they're like, you know what? We had a great run and a run that like nobody's ever going to be able to talk about yeah. uh, unless you're like a Bulls fan in the 90s. Nobody had a run like the Patriots did. But they're already on the past tense of, hey, this is what we used to be. And I'm just glad that we got it in because we're absolutely terrible now. And that's where I think the Patriots are dead. And I, I don't know that there's any coming back. I think you might have to blow up this roster and, and really go in a different direction, maybe even at the GM position. I don't think you can or should fire Belichick because he's still one of the greatest. Mm -hmm. But it looks very bad in New England. And even we knew it was going to be bad before the season started. These other teams looked really good. And it felt like the Patriots were going in the wrong direction. And it turns out they were. Um, but let's get into some teams that are headed in the right direction. And these are our teams that are alive. It's not looking good, but they're still alive. And I'm going to contradict myself. or I'm going to go uh, back to what I talked about earlier. The Minnesota Vikings. I still think they have 
a chance to be good. It looks really bad right now, but I'm buying low. Justin Jefferson will eventually come back. Kirk Cousins will probably eventually figure things out a little bit. Not that he's even playing poorly this year, but I think the Vikings are a team that are still going to be in the wild card hunt to end the season. And this this schedule gets very bad. Uh, they've got a couple games. This week they play the Bears. That should be a W for them. Uh, then they play the 49ers. The 49ers are great. You're probably going to lose there. But then you get the Packers, the Falcons, the Saints, the Broncos, the Bears, and the Raiders. That's a run of games where I think the Vikings can win at least the majority of those games. I'm not saying that they will win every game. Uh, Yeah, but they can can win a couple of those games. And then they run into the Bengals. Who knows what's going to happen with the Bengals? And you you end the year with the Lions, Packers, and Lions. You're probably going to lose two of those games, maybe three of them. But I think the Vikings are still in good shape, especially since we're looking at their record. And like right now, it looks so bad at one and four. I still think that this is a team that can get back to around 500. So they're not dead for me. They're still alive, even though things look very bad. Yeah, and for me, it was the same with the NFC. I went with the Saints just due to the fact that Alvin Kamara is back from suspension. You know, Michael Thomas is getting a couple more games underneath his belt here after just pretty much years off of the. Um, of playing football, Derek Carr still building a relationship with Chris Olave and everyone there as well. And this week, like you play the Texans, whose offense has been better than you know what we thought it was coming into the year. Just all the way around, Houston has been much better. But with New Orleans, like I don't think they're out of it. Like I mean, you're sitting here right now at three and two, and you talk about the upcoming schedule and who they got. Like this week, they play the Texans, then the Jaguars, Colts, Bears, Vikings, Falcons again, and then the Lions, Panthers, like. Though right there, like you might lose one game out of those series, of, like the stretch of games there, and the Saints will be rolling. They will be sitting atop that division, um, and we're going to be sitting here talking like, man, okay, like Derek Carr sitting here making plays to two stud receivers and Chris Olave and Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara is just being Alvin Kamara again. And I think you know right now it's not looking good. It's kind of grim. You're like, ah, oh, man, like you know we're we're losing games here. You know we got handled by the Buccaneers. We lost a close one to the Packers. We barely beat the Panthers. We barely beat the Titans to start the year. Um, and now you're sitting here going like, okay, this is our opportunity to kind of get things rolling in the right direction. We're figuring out what's working for us and what's not. So for me, I don't think the Saints are quite dead. And then now hand, heading into the AFC side, it's the Bengals. I think last week, you know, heading heading into last week, we we talked about. Uh, Chase's comments of like I'm always open, you know, like I'm just I'm always effing open. And then this week it was like, hey, what are your comments now? He's just like seven eleven. I'm always effing open again. And he's like, I'll just leave it at that. I mean, he had a career year in targets. You know, it was history for the Bengals organization as well, and what he was able to do. And I think they're going to have the opportunity to continue to build on it. You, you talk about their schedule, what's coming up. We already know that division's tough. It's one of the toughest divisions in football. I mentioned that earlier. But, like, Joe Burrow, he looked better last week. He looked like he was moving more effectively. He even said after the game, this is the best I've felt after a game all year. So that's good news for the Bengals. So I think they are trending up, and it's going to be one of those things where we looked at the Bengals like, man, like maybe we gave up on them a little too early. And Joe Burrow's going to be sitting there going like, hey, it was the same thing last year four or five weeks into the season. Like, things just weren't going our way. We turned it around, made all the way to the AFC Championship game again. Maybe that's going to be it with the Bengals once more this season. But I think right now, like, you play this – the the 49ers in two weeks, and then the Bills. 
I say this, like the Bengals are going to have to prove it. Like they really right, you are. You just like, mentioned two of the best teams like in the, the league. Schedule in the Vikings schedule. Yeah, it's if you play the Seahawks this week, who just don't go away. They're sitting at three and one. Then the Niners, the Bills, the Texans, who I already complimented, the Ravens, Steelers, Jaguars, Colts. Maybe Anthony Richardson's back at that point because that's a December game. And then Vikings, Steelers, Chiefs, Browns. Damn, the Bengals might be. They might. <laughs> oof. I don't think they're dead. They're still looking up, but like, they might not. You still have Joe Burrow, so you're still alive. Like, he's still one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. I I put him up there, like close to Mahomes. Like, I thought that he might be in his own tier, and maybe once he gets healthy again, he will be. But I'm the Bengals are a tough one too because I I don't know. I don't know what will happen. Uh, My team that's still alive, they're trending up, is the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, I think that after the first two weeks, everybody looked at the Chargers. They were 0-2. They had just lost to the Dolphins and the Titans. And we were calling for, like, the head coach's job. And I even saw some tweets, not anything super credible, but of people thinking maybe Justin Herbert's not the guy. Maybe we shouldn't have given him that big contract. I, I think we needed to pump the brakes on that. I think the Chargers can still be very good. I think one thing that really hurts the Chargers is everyone wants them to be the Kansas City Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills, or the Cincinnati Bengals. They want Joe Burrow to elevate them to that level. I don't know that that's who they are just yet, but I think that the Chargers can get there and still be pretty good. You've got two wins in a row. Now you're going into Monday Night Football where you play the Cowboys. This might be their good chance to really get things going. Win three in a row before you uh, face Kansas City in Arrowhead. But I still think that the Chargers have some life to them, especially after looking at those first two weeks of people wanting to fire your head coach, people wanting to do this and that. I still think the Chargers are looking pretty good. But speaking of the Cowboys, that's a team that looks sick right now, not in a good way. There are just so many things with the Cowboys right now that came out hot and they looked really good to start the year. They put it on the Giants and looked like they might be the best team in the NFC there for a little bit because they they beat the Giants. They beat the the Jets easily, both teams. Then you come out and you lose to the Cardinals. Then you come out and you absolutely destroy the Patriots, 38-3. And so I think a lot of people, myself included, thought, okay, like the Cardinals' loss was a fluke. You overlooked a team and they took advantage of it. But then they faced the 49ers, and that just wasn't a ballgame. 42-10 is an ass-kicking in the NFL and that's what happened when they played the 49ers. And they have a they need a, a big performance against the Chargers. The Cowboys do because things are just not looking good. We've already hit that point of the season two where I think people are questioning Dak Prescott. They're like, okay, can he actually do it? Is he going to be our franchise quarterback? And I think it's tough. Once those talks start every year, it kind of seems like that's when the Cowboys become mediocre. And that's what they might be headed for right now. So I have them listed in my team that is sick. I, I think that they're just headed in the wrong direction right now. Uh, their their schedule coming up is tough. You just played the 49ers. Then you get the Chargers, Rams, and Eagles before you get a, a little bit of a lighter schedule. Giants, Panthers, Commanders. But, I mean, you still, you've got to play, you've got to play the Eagles twice. That's probably two losses. They also have yeah. to play at Buffalo in December. That's probably a loss. Then you have to play at Miami the following week on Christmas Eve. That's probably a loss. And you also have the Detroit Lions on that schedule. 
that's a that's a rough schedule playing the Eagles twice, and then the Dolphins, Lions, and Bills. Good luck to the Cowboys. I I think they're they're trending down for sure. Yep, and for me, I I actually put the Falcons here for the NFC mark. But the more I kind of look at their schedule, the more I'm seeing it going like you know what maybe maybe I should kind of put them as like looking vulnerable but at the same time like kind of prom like it's a promising vulnerable like hey like we're in a vulnerable situation but baby we're still going to come out on top you know like hey we still got a chance here because a close win last week against the texans and i'm also just going to preface this the camera angles that they have in that stadium for the falcons <laughs> is top notch i i absolutely love it i'll watch any and every it's the best stadium got. in sports Oh, it's fantastic. That I know of. Humble brag. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's – I don't know. I don't want some soccer fan to be like, oh, you've never been here before. You're right. I haven't. I have not watched a sporting event outside of this country. But I've, I've watched a lot of them here in the U.S. of A. And the best stadium I've ever been to is in Atlanta, Georgia, where the Falcons play every Sunday. Yeah, and it's – I think it was you that pointed out. I was like, okay, could you imagine a stadium like that in Kansas City? It's like, oh. Yeah, it'd be incredible. I would love that. It'd be amazing. Why don't we do it? Eh, it's whatever. But for me, it is the Falcons. And the reason I have them in a vulnerable position is because they're the Atlanta Falcons, and we still don't know who they really are. We're, we're kind of starting to see the ball get moved around. We're starting to see Drake London become a bigger part of the offense, which is good. But we're not seeing it from Kyle Pitts like we would hope. It's not as consistently, I should say. Bijan Robinson's making plays. He's living up to the expectations. But these next couple weeks is a great opportunity for the Falcons to prove themselves as they play the Commanders, which the team we've mentioned earlier has been much better this season than we expected. The Buccaneers, the team that I was surprised is sitting atop of the division. And then you play the Titans, which was the team that I thought was a surprise to be at the last place of their division. You look at the Falcons, you come away with those three wins, and then you go play the Vikings, and you can lead into that and into the rest of your season, which all feel like very winnable games for them and how they're playing right now. The Falcons could be the team that kind of surprises the league going – like they just keep finding ways to win ball games, and now it might not translate once they make the playoffs if they do reach that point. But it honestly kind of reminds me of the Vikings last year, where the Vikings won what eleven one possession games and it led the league. And this year they're losing their games by one possession. It can snip snap very quickly for teams in the league, and maybe this is just the year for the Falcons where there's just enough going their way where they can keep things going. So I think they're vulnerable but still alive. And then for me, the Steelers, kind of a similar situation. I don't know what to believe in. I'm about done believing in Najee Harris, which just seems crazy to say because he seemed like such a lock at being a difference maker running back in the NFL, and he just he hasn't been. Mike Tomlin's going to make things happen, though, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, pretty much Mike Tomlin's going to Mike Tomlin. The Steelers are going to find ways to make things happen, but this division is tough, and it is a long season, and, you know, the rumblings that you hear from the talking heads in sports going like, hey, maybe Kenny Pickett went away from what his offensive coordinator wanted and threw a game-winning touchdown to George Pickens, and that's the reason why he wasn't celebrating in the press box once they hit the game winning. It's like, mm, if there's any truth to that, like, that's not good for this offense, <laughs> and at the same time, Kenny Pickett's probably not a Pro Bowl quarterback, so mainly because I don't want to wear a pie to the face. It feels like the Steelers are kind of going in the wrong direction. Like you've you've had some wins to begin the year. You're three and two. I, I'm going to credit Mike Tomlin with all three of those wins. Uh, you, you beat you get beat by the 49ers very badly, but you also got beat by the Houston Texans very badly. In your wins so far, like you said, like you beat the Browns, you beat the Raiders, you beat the the Ravens. The, those are good wins, and you've got three of them. I'm just not a big believer in Kenny Pickett. Still, I, I think anybody that listens to the show regularly 
has really picked up on that between the two of us. Just not big Kenny Pickett guys here. Uh, my team in the AFC that I think is trending down are the Colts. Uh, I just, I'm not buying into the hype. I don't think that this is real. Uh, the good news is that it wasn't supposed to be this year. Uh, you're sitting there, if you're the Colts, you're three and two. You're right there with the Jaguars. But now you've got Anthony Richardson that's hurt. You hate to see that for your rookie quarterback. And it just, it still feels like things are not going smoothly. Maybe once you get Jonathan Taylor back in the mix, maybe then it'll start to turn around. But it feels like this is a team that's sitting at three and two, and it's just not for real. It's not a real three and two. This is a team that probably should be two and three or one and four, but they really haven't had that tough of a schedule yet. You lose to Jacksonville, you beat the Texans, you beat the Ravens somehow. That one's a surprise to me. You lose to the Rams. I'm not super impressed with the Rams so far this year either. And then you did find a way to beat the Titans, but we'll see what happens. I just, I'm not a big believer in what the Colts are doing. And, and now I think you've caught some teams off guard. Now maybe you have their attention a little bit, but I think the Colts are trending in the wrong direction. And then we have some teams in the NFL that are also thriving, and we agree on these teams. I, I, I think that these are the obvious ones. In the NFC, the 49ers look absolutely amazing. And I should, I should probably you know, hand up confession. I didn't think that they would look as good as they are so far this year. And you could have the Eagles in there too. The Eagles have played some tight games, though. So the Eagles have been very good. We haven't talked about them. They're dominating too. But to see the 49ers – and some of the wins that they have already this season, they're beating everybody easily. You beat the Steelers 30-7. to You beat the Rams 30-23. to That's your closest game all year to a good football team. You beat the Giants easily 30-12. to You beat the Cardinals 35-16. to And then that win last week against the Cowboys. It didn't look like the Cowboys belonged on the same field. The, Ca- the 49ers feel like a team that's trending in the right direction, and they have not peaked yet. And I, I think that we've still got a lot of good football. I mean, Brock Purdy, I can't believe that it's happening. He's playing very well, and I, I don't think he's peaked yet either. I, I think that Kyle Shanahan can get things going with him. And then Christian McCaffrey, he might be your MVP. I mean, he has played absolutely yeah. ridiculous this year. and like He might single-handedly get contracts back for running backs because he has been <laughs> such a difference maker since he's been back. I mean, he's at 99 carries this year for 510 yards, and he's averaging 5.2 a carry, seven rushing touchdowns. He's already got already. I mean, he looks rushing yards. Already, yeah, through five games. And obviously he's a big impact in the passing game, too. He's already caught 20 passes. So I mean, Christian McCaffrey has been dominating. The 49ers' defense has looked outstanding. That's why they're my team that's thriving. And you could definitely put the Eagles up there. But I think what we're seeing with the 49ers right now has looked even better than what we're seeing with the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'll just go with the Dolphins. And like they've just been dominant in every aspect, running back wise. Mm-hmm. You know, you hate to see your your one of your rookie running backs go or your rookie running back, excuse me, go down. But like uh, Raheem Mostert's not been bad this year. He's just been kind of being outshined by the rookie. Now he gets an opportunity to kind of be the guy again. But you look at the rest of this offense, and there's just dudes everywhere. Like they're just they are going to shine, and they're going to continue to do so mm-hmm. because this division is wide open. And yes, they lost to the Bills a couple of weeks ago. It was embarrassing, but at the same time, 
you still put 70 points on an NFL team this season. Like that's going <laughs> to yeah. give you an upper hand in this conversation of what teams are and who they are and all that is a, a swipe your bingo card boys. Cause I just watched my dog run into the effing pond. Oh, fucking <laughs> show. He's not done. And here we are. God bless it. <laughs> Oh, I'm getting ready to leave after this show, too. Effing A, dude. <laughs> Wonderful times. Hey, you oh, said Dolphins, and brutal. Homeboy thought he was a Dolphin. <laughs> and this shock collar, right dude, it don't shock shit. He's just like, mm, that didn't hurt. Well, I thought it was a training collar. Coming to me, yeah, same. It ain't training shit. Man, I just jump Sorry in the water and I get Sorry a little extra Reese. pulses here. I'm right there with you, though, with the Dolphins. Uh, I, I think I'm that they've looked the best in the AFC so far. Uh, like, your one loss is against the Bills. And the Bills have looked very good. You're eventually you're going to lose games. Everybody does it. Eventually, you're going to lose games. So losing one against the Bills, I, I don't think is that big of a deal uh, at all. So uh, I think teams that we have thriving right now, the 49ers in the NFC and in the AFC, the Dolphins, two teams we did not mention, the Chiefs and the Eagles, uh, those are good teams that the Dolphins are going to have to play here pretty soon. Uh, the Dolphins and Eagles play on October 22nd. Dolphins and Chiefs play November 5th. So we're going to find out a lot more about who these teams are. But so far in the season, that's kind of how we have things stacked up. And then, of course, tomorrow, maybe today when you're listening to this, Friday the 13th. Country, are you, are you superstitious about Friday the 13th? Do, do you care at all? Does it bother uh, you? I, I very much. Uh, is it a full moon too? Like are the werewolves? No, it's out? A, it's like no moon. No. <laughs> oh, the, damn. Okay, that's. It's scary. gonna be super dark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not a fan of that. You know, if the moon was out, I'd be like ah, you know, like I might hear a couple werewolves. I'll be good. Stay in the light. I'm fine. <laughs> uh, there's no light. I'm screwed. No, um, it is gonna be a very faint moon. Very dark tomorrow night. Good luck. I'm just going to hang out Your with my reaction friends. is telling me you are, in fact, superstitious. Like, this <laughs> yeah, is bothering you. Yeah. I, I'm trying to be like, how do I not be superstitious? But I am. Like, I very much am. I, I am a believer uh, of <sighs> – I don't know how to – I am a believer that if there's a heaven, there's a hell. And if there's a hell, there's a heaven. And sometimes those creatures kind of mingle on earth here and be like, hey, like, make things happen. Friday the 13th has one of those dates where it's become a scary a scary thing. It was a scary movie franchise. We all know that. It's pretty much where it started. But at the same time, who knows what demonic things decide to take opportunity with those. Uh, Taylor Swift, you are included in that. Okay? The Friday the 13th. I know 13 is your lucky number. You just had to do it on a Friday the 13th. Uh, sketchy. Got my attention. What's going it, on there? This is the <laughs> We've made it all show without mentioning Taylor Swift uh, <laughs> until the end of it. I, I saw a thing, this is our Taylor Swift segment, where she has already done pre-sales for her movie that comes out on Friday, and it has already reached $100 million. Jeez. That is just, that's almost all profit for her. She has already done the concert. She's already done all the recording stuff. This is not a big movie production where you're investing millions into a movie on its own. You've done all the work already. I mean, yeah. she's got to be profiting, like... 80 million off this movie alone. And there's no like movie studio that's producing it. Her team is producing it. They went straight to the, uh, the theaters with it. It's, it's crazy what she has done in the past year. I mean, yeah. and that's just pre-sales. That's not people that are rushing to the box office tomorrow or, or Saturday to watch this movie. I mean, she's absolutely 
ridiculous. I, I don't know. Maybe she's working some kind of witchcraft or voodoo. I don't know what she's doing, but this is like the year of Taylor Swift. And mm-hmm. she's had some other very successful years, too. Uh, as far as superstitions go, I'm not superstitious about Friday the 13th. It's not one of those things that bother me. I'm very superstitious when it comes to sports. If yeah. I'm sitting in a spot and my team's doing well, I'm not getting up. If uh, my team's doing well, I, I'll stop texting. If my team's doing bad, I'll stop texting. I go full LeBron, zero dark 30, zero dark 23. <laughs> uh, I do all kinds of stupid stuff for sports. But Friday the 13th isn't one that bothers me. It bothers me as a teacher because I know that my students are going to be wild tomorrow because they're going to be excited about Friday the 13th. They're like some of them are already excited about like Halloween and stuff like that. That's the part that scares me. I will have no problem going out tomorrow night on Friday the 13th. No worries at all whatsoever. Yeah. For me, it's like if anything bad happens, I'll be like, ah, oh, Friday the 13th, like what a coincidence. Mm-hmm. It's not like you should have been aware of it. Uh, but for me, like superstitious with spooky stuff, like waking up at 3 a.m., like I think I've said it before, like waking up at a specific time at 317 uh, is something I do normally sometimes. Um, and it's always just kind of like, ah, like even if I can't, like I wake up, I'm like, ah, like something just feels different. Like I'll try and find my phone, can't find it, realize it's on the other side of the bed, grab it, and it's like, boom, 317. Was it 317 when I first woke up? No, but it was 317 when I looked at the phone, and I think that's where it's like, uh, what's going on at 317, dude? What What is this? So there's a little superstition in that um, if something would happen. So Spooky. I know. You got me on that one. A little bit of chill. And then you go like the interstellar route where it's like, is that something where like future me is trying to warn current me? I was going to say, what's going it's... on yet? I wasn't going to say think about you. that. All the, that movie has messed me up more than <laughs> I think I've ever talked about. Because it is like, what if we are just living in like a continuum and we're not unaware of it? Uh-huh. Like I, I saw another t- like just kind of adds to this and feeds into it. Believe how much you want into it. I don't know how much I believe into it, but it's one of the things where I'm kind of like, oh, like it's got my attention. You know, like I'll just kind of keep darting to it over there. But, like, you see a TikTok story, like, what's the creepiest thing your kids have ever said to you? And I think it's something we've actually talked about. And a kid sitting in the back seat, and the mom pulls up to a stop sign, and the kid goes, last time we didn't stop here, and we died, mom. And the mom's Ooh. like, uh, what do you mean last time? Like, this is this is my <laughs> first time being here with you. So it's just kind of like stuff like that really just kind of freaks me out and it gets me really thinking. So and I had one the other day. Not to me personally, but first with the 317 stuff. Do you think that it's somebody from the other side trying to contact you at the same time every day? Like exactly. that's their time to be like, mm-hmm. I'm going to check in on big country. It's 317. Something to think about. I know. Or do you ever wake up at 317 and you feel like somebody's watching you? That's the, yes, that's the thing. I didn't <laughs> want to say it because I didn't want to give it approval. Here. Good old me. me right now. Yeah. <laughs> Just bringing it to yes life. To you. They didn't hear it. They didn't hear it. I got headphones on straight in my ears. Right. Um, so there's that, the waking up at the same time every night. Good luck. Uh, sleep tight tonight. Uh, but one of my coworkers <laughs> told me the other day uh, that her dad passed away years ago. And she now, she has a three-year-old uh, who asks a lot about his grandpa or um, other relatives. But specifically, his grandpa, who oh, passed away yeah. before he was ever born. And, and then she had him the other day asking about grandpa and he was acting like he had met him before. And he says, yeah, I see Grandpa all the time. He comes and he whispers things in my ear. 
Like, ooh, mm. your three-year-old is getting things whispered into his ear by your dead dad. That's pretty creepy. <laughs> Man, you made that stuff so inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> I know you didn't you mean to, but it was just kind of like, ooh, what? <laughs> no, that's just, that's the scary, kids are scary. Yeah. The scary Love movies the involving of, children. Man, creepy. I work with the creepy little bastards every day. I, I, I get it. Some of them just, they <laughs> scare me on a regular day. Now I'm going to have to go in on Friday the 13th, and they're really going to scare me. Yeah. You got any spooky stories or any other spooky, no, nothing. Favorite spooky movies? Because I don't have any stories as of late either, which is good. But like scary movie-wise, I can tell you right now, none. <laughs> I ain't watching that shit. Not more the than I, I did. I had I spent my time. You know what I mean. I did my time watching that stuff. Not no more. <laughs> see, I'm free, I love baby. them. I love them. I was trying to get people to have go see the, the Exorcist, Exorcist movie. No, I I still haven't seen anybody Good. or had anybody wants to go with me. You won't go with me. My fiance won't go with me. Uh, it's tough. So I I told you I'm not going to be that guy that shows up to that movie and sits alone in the theater because that would <laughs> be the scariest you, dude you've ever seen. <laughs> and I told you that would be the devil. Like if I were in that movie <laughs> with a friend, like if let's say somehow I built up enough courage to go with you and then someone came in and sat down by themselves, like on the other side of the aisle, it was like this person's doing bad things and I don't want to be around it. I don't want to be here for when those bad things take place. I'm going to wait. I legitimately would be like, dude, we're out of here. Like, mm -mm. I'm going to wait until it's not so popular anymore where you can go to the theater and there's just like a handful of people in there. I'm going to sit right next to some strangers. <laughs> I, I, nope, I'm here alone. Just head to <laughs> just toe, dark right clothes. Them. Just a little bit of chrome uh -huh. rings just randomly placed on your clothing. Yeah. <laughs> Low Rye hat. Shadow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Black Super lipstick. dark. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, all right. That's what I'm going to do with the rest of my night. Uh, we appreciate you guys joining us again for another episode of Mic'd Up. Uh, let us know what your spooky stories are. I know love, uh, Big Country loves to get those. Just slide you right into his DMs uh, and he'll check those out. But we appreciate you guys joining us for another episode of Mic'd Up. You can get us wherever you find your podcast, uh, whether it be Apple, Spotify, or right here in the call-in app. We appreciate you guys. We'll talk to you all again real